Welcome to Bar Fights with attorney and advocate Sarah Klein. Taking on issues that matter and advocating for legal, cultural, and political change everywhere in order to protect children and vulnerable adults. Joining the conversation are survivors, advocates, lawyers, media personalities, athletes, celebrities, authors, wellness aficionados, and many more. Because bringing real justice takes a team of experts who care. Now, leading the fight is your host, Sarah Klein. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Bar Fights. I'm so happy to be here today. I've literally been counting down the weeks until we could have this guest. Um, I had to cancel and then I had to reschedule and this and that. And I've just been like, when can I meet this woman? I follow her on Instagram. You guys have to listen. This is a must listen for every woman who's a sister, a mother, a daughter who has ovaries. <laughs> this is an important conversation. Um, LJ Johnson is my guest today. She has a million degrees. She has a PsyD. She has all these other degrees, but she's a women's hormone coach specializing in endometriosis, PCOS, and fibroids. And you guys know how much I love to talk about endometriosis on this show, how much it's affected my life. Um, so we have an expert here today. LJ has worked in health, fitness, women's health industry for over 20 years, while also overcoming her own diagnosis of endometriosis. And I'm just so excited that she's talking about it. She's passionate about empowering women, motivating, and most importantly, educating all of us about this thing called endometriosis, PCOS, fibroids, this stuff that affects us that we just don't talk enough about. So I'm so pumped to have her here, our resident endo expert, LJ Johnson. Welcome to Bar Fights. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I know everything's been, life has been getting in the way, but I know that now once we've connected, it's going to be amazing. I'm excited to be here today. Oh my gosh. It's so awesome. So start by telling my audience, and I've talked about my own journey with endo a lot, but what is endometriosis and why the heck don't we talk about it? And why the heck does it take so long to get a diagnosis, which is something it took me probably 10 years, 29 years old, getting a colonoscopy, which was completely clean eventually being told it's all in my head. Um, what is endo and what the heck is going on with it? All right. What is endo? So let's talk about what is endo. It's almost sometimes easier to talk about what it is and a lot of the misconceptions. Cause I know first thing, some people are like, Oh, I need a two out of this episode. You know, I'm good. I don't have period pain or it's just a period thing. And so that's the first thing I will say is that endometriosis, AKA endo is not just a painful period, right? It is not a reproductive disorder. Um, it's not all of these things, right? So endometriosis is uterine-like tissue. I'm gonna say that three times because people are like, oh, uterine tissue, I got you. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's uterine-like, here comes number three. It is uterine-like tissue found outside of your uterus, right? It is hormonally driven. Um, it produces its own hormones. These lesions are outside of your uterus, right? So circling back, because I really want you to get this. I keep saying this because this is the most important part that people really just don't make the connection. So endometriosis is once again, uterine-like tissue found outside of your uterus. 
It is hormonally driven. It is chronic systemic inflammation throughout your entire body. It is not just a reproductive disorder. It also has a lot of autoimmune-like factors, right? So a lot of immune system things going on. You may have some other diagnoses, right? Now it can have, you know, an effect on your period, on your cycle, but this is the kicker with endometriosis. It's not just pain during your cycle. It's typically going to be some pelvic pain, some bleeding, some of these other crazy symptoms that are going on with our body. And I say crazy symptoms, not saying you're crazy, just the whole cascade of everything going on outside of your cycle as well, right? So that is endometriosis. So that's a long definition, right? Now let's talk about what it's not, because I always have to back it up with that, right? It's not just a painful period. Um, it's not you being a weak woman. It's not just, oh, everyone in my you know, family has horrible periods. It's none of those things, right? It is chronic systemic inflammation that wrecks havoc on your entire body, right? A lot of the misconceptions is if you get pregnant, it's going to cure it. You know, have a baby, it'll cure endo. Birth control will cure endo. Get a hysterectomy, it'll cure endo. And that's the big one I'll stop with. So as far as the misconceptions, the hysterectomy, like I said, it's not going to cure your endo. Cause remember I said it already like five times, right? That endometriosis is outside of your uterus. It's uterine like tissue outside of your uterus. So that's what's endo. Now let's all of that definition, right? That kind of tells you why it's so freaking hard to diagnose, right? Because <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of body. It's not just a painful period. It's not just some cramps. It's a lot of different, you know, fires. I mean, think about one small fire and, you know, fire trucks running to that. But when you got 15 or 20 going at the same time and all the signals and all the things going on, sorry, I'm big on analogies, but that's kind of what endometriosis is. So that's why it's so hard to diagnose because my diagnosis and my symptoms could be totally different than yours, Sarah, which Julie, who's listening and Kendra and, you know, you know, all these other people that are listening their symptoms can be totally different. So that's the biggest thing with endometriosis is that the symptoms are very different per patient. And then there's also silent endo, right? So as we're working overtime, trying to figure out, figure out you know, endometriosis and the pain, it's almost a little more complicated for others because some people have silent endometriosis, right? Where they have zero pain, zero discomfort, didn't know that there was an issue until some fertility issues popped up. So that's probably the best way I can explain it. That's what endo is. That's why it's so hard to diagnose. Also, I'm sure, as you know, and you spoke about, I'm sure tons of time, the lack of research, right? There's so much research that needs to take place. There's so many misconceptions out there, right? There's still doctors, you know, pushing the agenda that it's a bad period and, oh, you have ovaries, you know, just deal with it. So there's a lot of that disparity as well. I mean, I have the chills because I suffered alone in silence for so many years where I, I had no idea what was wrong. And you just completely hit the nail on the head about how it can look a million different ways with a million different people. So I always had pretty heavy periods, but nothing crazy. All of a sudden I hit my early thirties and I basically go down. I'm losing weight rapidly. I'm starting to get acne on my chest and on my back, which is so gross, but I had never had it before. I was having a hard time eating severe pain on just my right side, which everybody thought was appendicitis, which it wasn't. So I go to the OBGYN, they go, nothing's wrong with you. You don't have an ovarian cyst because we all we can do is a ultrasound. Nope, nothing's wrong. Go to the gastroenterologist. Get a, a 
colonoscopy. Nope, nothing's wrong. You know, this is just, you know, whatever. So then I'm in so much pain and I'm losing weight so rapidly. I start going to the emergency room on a regular basis, begging somebody to help me and being told I had psychological problems, Right. right? Like this, there's something in your head. You're just a hypochondriac. I stopped functioning. Like mine presented where it hit me like a a truck all at once. But a lot of people have these little symptoms over time where the dots are just not connected because nobody's helping you connect them. And turns out I self-diagnosed on the internet and went to the best surgeon in the country who only does endo. And he goes, I don't know if you have it or not. I have to do a laparoscopy. I have to lay my eyes on it because that's the only way we can really diagnose. And then of course I had stage four and lost all my organs and all my, everything in my whole pelvis was operated on and it was fertility nightmares and all the things, but that's a happy ending. (laughs) Like that's a pretty happy ending because I got there to excision surgery instead of the ablation. And listen, they tried to put me in medical menopause. How often do you hear about that LJ, where they give you that (laughs) that Lupron drug and say, just stop having periods. That's our solution for you. That that's such an amazing, such an amazing point. And I'm like, that's my story. I'm waving that flag, but I want to circle back to two things that you said. Um, the, getting the diagnosis, right? The golden standard to be diagnosed. And I think this is very important because some people are like, oh, my doctor did an ultrasound. Oh, they did an MRI. Oh, they did a colonoscopy. They didn't see anything. And I'm like, baby girl, if it was only that easy, right? So the golden standard to get diagnosed with endometriosis is the laparoscopic procedure where they actually go in. But here's the deal. Having a laparoscopic procedure done, you know, in an emergency situation or by your GP or your OB, nothing against them. I'm sure they're amazing at what they do. But you, like Sarah said, you need a specialist. Like you need someone that eats, sleeps and breathes endo, right? Like they know it like the back of their hand to go in and actually look. Because so many times I work with the surgeon very closely. And like she said, she'll bring in a team of people. She'll bring in someone if there's thoracic, if there's something going with the GI, because you need to really have a specialist looking at it, right? So that's the biggest thing I would say is get that laparoscopic procedure to really get that diagnosis. Now, some of you have been through so much and you're like, I don't want to do the laparoscopic, but we're pretty sure that's what it is. Okay, then great. Work with your practitioner and go from there. But if you're looking to eventually have excision surgery and have it removed, which was point number two, that's the golden standard to have it removed, right? It's not ablation. I hate to put it this way, but ablation is basically like just going out there. It's almost like just spraying some weeds and then just, you know, oh, you know, we sprayed the top, but what about the bottom, baby? The roots are still there. So ablation is just really going in and burning the lining typically inside the uterus and all of that. Did we mention, like we said, five or six times in the beginning, it's not inside of the uterus. So ablation is one thing that some people do and they're like, hey, I got my endo taken care of, but it's really only burning that top surface layer and not getting in to really excise it. So the golden standard to have endometriosis removed, if that's what you choose, right, is excision surgery. And like Sarah was saying, I'm 110%. Now, I personally have not had to have a hysterectomy or excision surgery. Thank God I was able to really tap into some information, work with functional medicine and make some huge lifestyle changes to where I am pain-free now. I don't have period pain. I don't have any endo pain. The endo lesions are pretty much dormant, but to have them removed 
you have to have excision surgery, right? But the thing is, even if you have excision surgery, let's say you have excision surgery in 2022, doesn't mean something couldn't pop up in 2024, 25, two, three, five, 10 years later. Sometimes, right? Maybe there's some things that still are going on with your lifestyle, right? You need to make some lifestyle changes. You need to make some nutrition changes. I know people are like, oh my God, she's talking about the food again, not the endo diet. There is no endo diet, but making nutrition changes can truly increase your quality of life, right? It can help with some of the burpy, bloating, gassy, all those crazy things that go on with your GI. Now, when it comes to Lupron, I have to be honest, and that's why I talk about Lupron all the time on my IG account. I'm sure we'll have all the links, but I was the one, I bought the lie. I'll be very honest. That's why I talk about the misconception. I spent all last week talking about it, right? I bought the whole you know, turn off, you know, let's turn off your hormones. Let's go into medically induced menopause. But I did that because I was desperate. I too self-diagnosed myself. I always joke about it, it was me and Dr. Google at 2 a.m. in the morning. Right? <laughs> it's done in the middle of the night. You know, like I, it was back in the days when we didn't save trees and you printed everything off on the internet and you took it into your doctor. And I remember my doctor's like, I think you're onto something, LJ. I think this is it. And I'm like, okay, thank God. And then it was like back to like, oh, so yeah, maybe we should just go back to the birth control. And I was like, Ugh. like it helped me get a diagnosis, but it didn't put my mind at ease. And so I tried tons of treatments. And so I did, I got very desperate. And like I always say, you know, if you've ever heard me speak on podcasts or clubhouse or whatever, I don't come from the high horse. Like I'm not coming from the high horse talking down. I'm like, honey, I'm coming from the low horse, the been there, done that. <laughs> like, I did the Lupron. Um, I was supposed to get a three month injection. They messed up, gave me a six month injection. My body stayed in menopause for almost two years. So I repeat, my six-month injection didn't just wear off, right? So I didn't do a January to June and bounce it back in July. Your girl got that January shot, and I was in medically induced menopause for about two years. It stayed in my body. It, I mean, can bring me to tears. It gives me chills talking about it right now. I will always be very honest. Like I said, I'm coming from the low horse bin there, done that, not from a prideful, don't do it because I said so. I'm doing it more like, it has rocked my world. I had that done in my early 30s. I am 43 years old today, and I am still, I repeat, gives me chills that I say it's still paying the price from the side effects from something I did over 10 years ago. Not to mention all the kickbacks the doctors get when they're kicking out Lupron and the vacations and all the fun stuff they're getting. Oh, like, don't even get me started. Yeah. Um, the pain, you know, the osteoporosis, you know, just all of these things that we had to deal with, you know, dental issues, my teeth were falling out calcium issues, you know, vision issues, the weight gain, not to mention I bought the lie, but it didn't help with the pain. I was told if I turn off all my hormones, then I'll be pain-free. So I'm like, sign me up. I'm tired of suffering. I'm tired of passing out during my cycle. I'm tired of being a single parent explaining in court how I'm not a bad person, that I am a good person, but I do have this crazy thing going on with my body that I really am a fit parent. Like those are very humbling experiences. So I was like, I was tired of it. So I tried the Lupron and it didn't work for me. And it actually exasperated my pain. That was the worst. I repeat the worst ever pain I ever felt was being in medically induced menopause on Lupron being told, Hey, if you just shut down your hormones, everything will be okay. And that is where I really had to kind of take my power back after the Lupron. I was like, okay, I'm trying modern medicine. You know, yeah, I was doing the natural stuff because I'm all about natural, but you get desperate where you're like, and you know, you have to have sometimes a little pharmaceuticals and a little natural. I have nothing against pharmaceuticals, but for me, that last pharmaceutical push of Lupron pushed me over the edge. And that's where I was like, look here, I am just, I am not going to continue living my life in hell every single day, dreading waking up 
not being able to take care of my children, not being able to get them dressed for school, not being able to go to work. And, you know, it's very humbling. Like even with my career, I, you know, climbed this ladder. I got this amazing job. You got this big seven figure job. You're like, baby, I finally made it. It's going to be amazing. Two weeks later, I have to go back in, you know, in tears and pain, explaining to them, I have to give the position back because I have this body that doesn't allow me to show up on a consistent basis. And so after the loop run, and after giving up like that dream job, that dream career that was really going to scale my business, I was like, look here, we got to do something different. Like I can't even, I can't afford to take care of my children, right? If I can't work. Yeah. So yeah. I had to really make some huge decisions, but Lupron is something, you know, it's Lupron is the injection and there's Oralissa, which is the pills, um, which come with lots of side effects. It's called, I think it's like Zolidex or something like that in other countries. So we all kind of know what it is. Medically induced menopause. If you kind of peruse through my Instagram account, you'll see a lot of posts about that and some of the side effects and things that you can do because we, a lot of us have done it, you know, and some people, I had some people comment on my recent post saying like, Hey, thanks for this post. I'm going to talk to my doctor because I was thinking about starting it. And I'm like, by no means am I ever telling someone don't do hormonal birth control. But what I am saying is let's not be as lackadaisical as we used to. And just, you know, not read the fine print on all of the paperwork, you know, like get more information, do the research because the side effects are a lot more severe than what we're really being told when we choose that medication. I could not agree more and thank the good Lord. I never took the Lupron though. I was prescribed the Lupron by my regular GYN who said, this is what we do for endometriosis. You go on the pill and we give you Lupron and, you know, or one or the other, or we do an ablation. And I was actually scheduled for the ablation when I was on Dr. Google. And I said, no, there's gotta be a better way. I had my excision um, up in Atlanta with the most amazing doctor of all time. And I was diagnosed with stage four endo and it affected my bowel, my bladder, my appendix was tethered to my sidewall, my ovaries. I lost, um, all but 10% of one ovary. And when you haven't had kids yet, that's a really rough thing though. I will say for me, the excision worked incredibly well and I haven't had any problems whatsoever. But one thing you said, well, everything you say, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. But one thing you said is this is sort of one of those diseases that is a hidden disease, right? Like, like calling out of work, having to, like, we look bright and shiny on the outside. Right. It was that's not the a tricky thing. That's the kicker, right? It's an invisible disease. I was just doing the video last week and that was, I put it in the video and my marketing team was like, well, do we really need to add that? I'm like, yes, because like, that's the problem. Like, if you look at me, you know, you're like, oh, gee, you look perfectly fine. I mean, are you sure you went through all this? And I'm like, this is the thing. We're either showing up and showing out and just nailing it and looking normal, quote unquote normal, or our body is like totally shut down and we're MIA for weeks at a time. You know, sometimes it's one or two days, but sometimes a flare will come out, knock us out for two or three weeks. Right. And your job's kind of like, okay, we'd love to keep you, but you only show up one week a month. You know, we'd love to promote you, you know, like it starts wrecking havoc, like on your, your entire world. Right. And it yeah. is, it's visible illness. It would be different if you were on crutches, you had a walker, you know, if you have a broken leg, they're like, oh yeah, you know, you know, if you're walking in with the back brace, they're like, oh, LJ, your back, you know, your back is bad. What can we do to help you? But if it's nerve pain from an invisible disease that you can't see that has me doubled over, I mean, I probably love to use the crutches, but I can't even get out of the bed to get the, you know, it's like, 
I'm like down, I'm on mattress Island. And so the, the fact that it's invisible combined with the fact that it's like, as soon as you say endo, people are like, Oh, you just have painful periods and just take some might. I'll take some ibuprofen, get you some narcotics, you know, or I remember my mother telling me, you know, as a woman of color, I was given a speech that I'm a strong black woman. I don't feel pain. Like I was basically told, you know, if you feel it, you better go drink some water and pray about it and figure it out because, you know, we're a strong black women. My mother told me a speech that she never had pain. My grandmother had never had pain. Like it was just weird. Like that was a speech I was given. So at the age of 14, when I started having issues, I knew it was not acceptable to speak out. And I didn't, you know, when my mom took me to the doctor and they're like, how are you doing? You know, you knew to just be like saying great, right? You knew to not, you know, talk about your period pain, which was already, you know, something that was not even validated in my own household. So it, it is very, very interesting because there's the physical pain, but like you said, the mental pain, right? The fact that you know something's going on. I remember sitting in the parking lot of Kaiser Permanente in tears because my doctor was just like, you know what, we're going to, you know, we're going to have to put you in therapy. They're like, we know you're a therapist, but like, there's clearly, you know, you've got some work trauma and work. And I'm like, I swear to you. So then I sat in the car and I'm like, maybe it's not real, but I'm like, it's pretty real because I didn't go to work last week. I'm looking at you. Like, I'm like, I, I remember what happened, but I just walked out of an appointment where they're telling me maybe it wasn't that bad. So then I'm questioning my own sense. Like, Oh, well maybe I should have went to work. Maybe I am weak. Like, Maybe they're right. Maybe this is normal. But I'm like, that's so weird because other women at the office, they're not passing out on their cycle. They're not talking about crawling to the bathroom. They're not, you know, breaking out in these rashes. I mean, they're not wheezing. They're not coughing up blood. They're not, you know, having these running, you know, bloody noses. Like, I, I hear you saying it's normal and you're telling me it's in my head, but I'm trying to tell you, I think it's in my pelvis. <laughs> yeah, I think it's in my pelvis, motherfucker, right? It I makes you feel crazy. Right. And I read somewhere, uh, and you can tell me if this is accurate or not, that it takes on average around 10 years yes. for someone to get the actual appropriate diagnosis of right. And even longer for women of color. I mean, it took me 16 years on oh. average for women of color anywhere from 16 to 20 years, right? There are patients that I have right now that just out of the fear and the gaslighting, they don't even want to go in for the laparoscopic, but they have all the symptoms. Like they know that it's endo and we're doing what we can naturally and they're getting great results. Um, so it's very interesting. I think sometimes when you wait it so long, you've been through so many colonoscopies. Like I said, I'm 43 and I've had four colonoscopies. Oh. Time I ever go into a new office, they're just like, oh, so when was your cancer scared? They just assume I've had cancer. I'm like, no, like I just because of everything I've had done, I'm like, no, no cancer scare. You know, thank God. It was just more like they were searching for endo, you know, when I was having all these IBS, you know, literally BS issues, they couldn't figure out what was going on. And so, yeah, it is sometimes you've had so many procedures that you're just like, I can't keep going on. I don't even want the diagnosis. You're like, just what can I do? to just make some natural changes. Like is what can I do to have quality of life? Cause like you said, it affects your career. It affects your fertility, it affects relationships. I mean, even for me, I'm, you know, I'm dating and it's like, it, it's a big thing. You know, even when you're dating someone that has a chronic illness and invisible illness, it's explaining to a partner. It's trying to explain to HR without putting all your business out there that, you know, I may look all shiny and amazing on the outside, which I am, but I also am managing this super aggressive, I repeat, super aggressive chronic illness that can rear its head at any moment. And the symptom that shows up in May could be totally different in August. But both of those times, I probably won't be at work, right? It's trying to explain what that looks like. 
Yeah. And, and I cannot stress enough and LJ's done a great job. This looks completely different for every single person, right? You know, the, 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 the bathroom symptoms, the gastro symptoms, huge, right? But you mentioned so many I had never even heard of, but it all ties back to our immune systems, our, you know, our, our, our body's reaction to inflammation and all the things. And that's, what's so crazy about it. And that's why I think it goes, um, it, it goes missed so many times I heard. And tell me if you heard anything about this, that there was some work to get it classified as like a real autoimmune disease so right. that people can actually go on short-term disability or long-term. It's like, it, it, for some reason, people are afraid to classify it. It's just had this stigma. Well, and like you said, that stigma still comes from, it's a period issue. Mm-hmm. Great. Now we're going to have to have, you know, short-term leave for everyone with a set of ovaries. You know, how will that work out? And it's like, it's not everyone with a set of ovaries, right? It's, it's us unique ones, our chronic illness warriors, you know, that are turning into conquerors. Like it's not that. And that's exactly what it is. Like maternity leave. They're like, we get that. You just had a baby, you know, we understand that we see the child, you know, like it's a process, but it's like for them, the whole classifying that as a disability, it's like now, and it's very interesting because then there are people with ovaries that are like, well, I don't want to classify because then that makes us weaker and we're fighting for all these rights. And it's like totally different. So it's that stigma that, like you said, that it's a period pain, that it's a reproductive disorder. So now everyone that has reproductive parts continue, you know, that has ovaries is going to need all these additional accommodations, which is not true, but there are many people out there with ovaries that are grinning and bearing it, that are going into the office and taking multiple changes of clothes, you know, that are missing weeks at a time from work that are running out of PTO. You know, I have a patient right now and she's doing really great, but she came to me after being passed over for promotion twice. And they basically were just like, you know, and once again, I'm sure you can speak more to the legalities of that, but there's, there's a way that they can say it without saying it basically like, we'd love to promote you, but you're not here consistent enough. You know, we'd love to do this, that, and the other, but you know, you're always calling out of work. And so for her, she was like, I want to become partner. She's like, I've done the work, you know, my name needs to be up there, but they were just like, we need you to be in the office more consistently. And so she came to me because she was like, I need to be able to show up. She's like, I'm amazing it. And like literally kicking ass in every part of my life. However, she's like, my health is holding me back from my financial goals, my goals, my this, that, and the other. And she's like, I got to make Yep. And if somebody said, I'm struggling with cancer, I need to call out because I'm going to chemotherapy. Totally different thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh gosh, what can we do to help you? They're passing around the form of like, who can bring a casserole to your house? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. All different, right? yeah. 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 It's crazy. So I, anybody listening, if you have gone through anything like this, or it resonates in any way, shape or form, um, LJ is your expert, your person that you can reach out to. And we're going to give all of her contact info. Um, so when I woke up from my stage four endo laparoscopy, um, you know, which it's not just the surgeon saying, oh yeah, I saw some endo. Like you're given a pathology report. Like this is the real deal. Um, and they stage it pathology actually stages it. Um, and I had photographs of it. I had a just very comprehensive surgical report. Um, but he said to me, his very first question to me was, have you ever been sexually abused? 
And obviously I work in the field of sexual abuse. We have a lot of trauma survivors listening Mm -hmm. to this. And I have read and learned about the correlation between the body's trauma response and autoimmune disease Mm -hmm. and endometriosis. Um, what do you, if anything, know about that? I know it's a, it's, it's a pretty specific topic. Do you encounter that in your work where, um, where those pieces of the puzzle can be kind of put together? Absolutely. And once again, we need more research, but it's interesting, right? So we all have a heart and then as females, right? Our womb is our second heart and a lot of people, and I will even say, just starting with myself, right? No research, just anecdotal, like myself and case studies and people I've worked with, right? When you're holding unforgiveness, when you're holding trauma, when you're holding all of that, yes, heartbreak feels like one thing in your heart and your chest, but when it's held in that trauma in your womb, it can start to manifest, right? Your body keeps score. There's like an actual book out there. I believe that's the title of it. Your body keeps score. And so it will hold those traumas and they will start to manifest as dis-ease, right? Um, And it's interesting, but people, once again, it's the stigma around it. They can't quite wrap their head around it. But then if I said, hey, you know, if you don't ever speak your truth and, you know, you have, you know, thyroid disease, you know, you're not speaking your truth in your throat chakra, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like they'll grab onto that really quickly. But then when you're talking about the womb, they're like, yeah, you know, they're like, we're not quite buying it. We're not quite there yet. But yes, I've seen a ton of correlation, right? When you're not dealing with traumas, um, may it be sexual abuse. Sometimes it can even be something that's been passed down through generational curses, right? Through those generational lines, maybe something didn't happen to you, but maybe something happened to your mother, you know, when you were in utero, maybe something happened to her as a child and something to your grandmother, like it can be passed down. And I've seen that a lot as well. Um, So when I start working with my patients and we start really doing that, that mental health, that mindset part, that is really where we delve in, right? Because even if you're pain-free, if you haven't let go of that mindset of being in pain 24 seven, right? If you, you know, let's say something happened and you're like, okay, I got past the abuse. I did the therapy. I did the work. But if you're still holding it within your body, right? All you need is that stressful day to trigger you and push you into that flare. You know, all you need is that that one email from your boss that just ticks you off or pushes you over the edge. And then all of a sudden your body starts responding. So I've seen a huge correlation in that. And I think once again, sometimes people are like, that's just too woo woo, you know, just too far fetched. And I'm like, here's the deal. Then I say this, then once you've tried everything and you've had no results, maybe go back and revisit that. Right. But you've got <laughs> and the right place to really do that kind of work. Cause it's yeah. work. It's not be easy. It's not going to be a, wave the wand and you know it's all better situation like you've got to go back to that sometimes you've got to do some inner child work you've really got to go back to that incident you know sometimes even just delve in deeper and relive it but really take the lesson away from it you know whatever it needs forgive release whatever that may be and then move on um and taking that lesson i'm not saying blaming yourself by any means but just what do you need to take away from that what do you need to be released? Because holding that unforgiveness is only hurting you. It's not hurting the other person. Right. And so it's a lot of work that has to be done with that as well. A hundred percent. And I think, like you said, more and more research is coming out, correlating trauma, um, to autoimmune diseases. And I think the more that comes out, we're going to see that, that those two things are really, really intertwined. Um, tell us about the work that you do. How do you coach these women? What do you do? What's your business? How do we learn more? What's the process? 
Yes. So what do I do? This is what I do every day. And I love it. Like if you could see me right now, I'm like smiling ear to ear, like this is my jam. This is my thing. So what I really do with my patients um, is I do a lot of coaching one-on-one. So I have, um, I was doing group and I may bring the group back, you know, in the future, but right now it's really one-on-one. Um, we do, you know, a three, six, nine or 12 month program. Sometimes they're with me longer, but it's really not just, oh, let's change your food and make everything better. I mean, we're deep dieting. We're talking about functional medicine. We're doing functional medicine testing. We're assessing, we're coming up with the exact blueprint that you need, right? We're working with that nutrition, that mindset, those lifestyle changes. A lot of the times. Um, you know, people come to me and they're like, I'm already eating clean. You know, I don't need to eat clean. I'm already doing this. I'm already doing that. But it's realizing that there's so much more to it. Um, like we said, endometriosis is affecting several parts of your body. It's not just affecting, you know, your physical health. It's affecting your mental health. It's affecting your financial health with all the money that you're spending on everything, right? It's affecting how much you're able to, you know, generate as far as income. You you know, striving, striving for your goals, but, um, you know, endometriosis touches every part of your world. So I really come in, um, with starting with that three month program. And we really want to diagnose what's going on, do the assessment, get the functional testing in, and then create that plan, right? What needs to happen for you to have quality of life? What does quality of life look like for you? Right. Maybe quality of life for me is being able to go work out at the gym six days a week and, you know, coach and travel this, that, and the other, maybe quality of life for you looks different. Right. And then creating that plan, implementing it, and then seeing what we need to do to fine tune it. Cause like Sarah and I have been saying, endo looks different for everyone. It doesn't look the same for everyone. So there's a lot of those pillars. We're talking about the nutrition, the mindset, the lifestyle, and really integrating it into functional medicine, right? Not just siloing like, oh, my back pain is separate than my acne, which is separate than my depression and my anxiety that really wrapping that all together. Because like we said, endometriosis looks different for everyone. And many times you don't really realize what it's affecting until you sit down. Because for you, you're like, oh, it just makes me miss a couple of days of work. But it's a couple of days of work here. It's, you know, less income here. It's wasted income on, you know, buying a bunch of random supplements and this, that, and the other, right? It's the worrying, it's the stress, the anxiety, all of these things that you're managing 24-7. I really put you in the driver's seat of your health. Um, so that's really what my goal is to really educate, empower, and motivate you that you can live an amazing life. My goal is to take you from an endo warrior where every day that your feet hit the ground, you're at war, you're tussling, you're at the hustle. You're just always fighting with your symptoms and really get you into that window conqueror where you're living your best life. What I would have given for you yes. years <laughs> ago where I felt alone and terrified and lost and, in so much pain and crazy and depressed and anxious. Um, I'm just so grateful you're out in the world doing this and so grateful that other people have you as a resource. And if you are not sure if you have endometriosis, but any of this resonates, talk to LJ, do a session talk to her and see what next steps might be. I can't stress enough that you do not have to live like this for one more day. It's it, it really can consume our lives and it does not have to, but there's, you know, like you said earlier, work that needs to be done to get there. Um, and I'm just so appreciative. You're out there pounding the pavement. Your Instagram is on 
fire. It is so good. The content's amazing. I thought I had a PhD in endometriosis, but, um, but you are, I learn new things every time you post. Um, so if anybody wants to learn more about endo or, or just get, um, more information, please, we're going to link to LJ's Instagram and reach out and do a session and get, um, get yourself on the path of healing and wholeness and health. Um, LJ, any, any last pieces of advice you have for this amazing, incredible audience of mine? My final thing would be no matter what chronic illness you're dealing with, right? Many of us chronic illness warrior, maybe you've got autoimmune, Hashimoto's, thyroid, you know, whatever it is, just know that you need to partner with someone and stop doing it alone, right? Yes, Sarah and I used Dr. Google to get our diagnosis, but I'm telling you, if I had me back then, (laughs) I would have definitely tapped in, like tap, tap, tapped in all the way. So stop doing the journey alone and know that no matter what your diagnosis is, you can have quality of life. Just realize that you need to team up with someone and everyone's journey and blueprint is going to be different, but you can have that quality of life. I love that. LJ Johnson, thank you so much for being here. And I hope you come back. I know we're going to get questions. So I hope you come back sometime soon and we can do a little Q&A. That would be wonderful. Until then, please keep up the great work. We're so grateful you exist. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Bar Fights with attorney Sarah Klein, taking on issues that matter. Please check out our website at barfightspodcast.com, Instagram at barfightspodcast, or Twitter at barfights underscore pod for the latest show updates and archives.